Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. Guys, Ryan Sprague here from Somewhere in the Skies, and welcome to a very special sort of impromptu live stream we're doing tonight. Um, some really cool stuff has come to light by our guests tonight, and we're going to highlight it here tonight on Somewhere in the Skies. We're going to break it down, go through it, and um, all that other stuff. So I'm really excited to have with me for the very first time today on Somewhere in the Skies, Dan Warren, which we will be bringing him in in just a little bit. But before we do that, um, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the season premiere of Ancient Aliens this past week. Um, I am on Ancient Aliens. I never in my life thought I would be saying that. Um, you know, I've been critical of the show in the past, and um, now I'm on it. So there you go. Um, I agreed to do the show if it was going to be about um, a lot of the modern day stuff going on with the Pentagon and UFOs and, and all that. And the more I got talking to the people over at Ancient Aliens, the more um, I realized they're really going for something new with the show in their 18th season. So, yeah, um, look for me on future episodes as well this season. But I want to thank everyone for sharing the show, for tuning in. I was told that it was one of the highest rated episodes they've had in a really long time. So thank you. Thank you for the support on that. That's all I got. But we do have a special co-host joining me tonight as well. So let's bring him in. You love him? You hate him? <laughs> Here he is. I know, man. That's my new thing for you. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good really thing. Accurate. Yeah. How you doing, doing well, man? How are you? Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. Of course, and thank you for joining us on your day off over at UCR. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, you were the first person I thought of to come in for this thing with Dan because he dropped this thing on TikTok a couple yeah. of days ago, and it blew up. It's really awesome, man. Up. Like, yeah, I mean, I have you talked to Lee Spiegel about this document? So I know Dan has in the past, and yeah. I know he was one of the reasons that Dan went digging for this. And um, I recall Lee maybe bringing this up on your show as yeah, well. We but I into it a little bit. But the way okay. Dan Warren breaks it down is hands down the best breakdown of this this Air Force document that I've seen. But yeah, I want to get into it with him because there's a ton of questions. He's going to be on my show next week too. So, you know, depending on how much time we have here, we may have some uh, backup questions when he comes back uh, right. next week because it's like Lee said, if it's real, if it's really real, a real document, 
which he thinks it is. Uh, and I'm sure Dan does as well. And I believe it is a real document. It is a real Air Force manual. It's pretty cool. It's and, you know, I know cool. when I but, shared but it. But some I... people brought up some great points about it to me. I, when we had a post discussion in the uh, in the Discord, some yeah. people were like, eh, but think about it this way and this way. So I want to run by those, by Dan and by you, and see what you guys think or, or what you guys have heard about it. Absolutely. And I know Dan even brings that up in the the videos as well. And we were chatting offline about um, some people think this is nothing. Some people Mm -hmm. think it's pretty cool, but it's something and it's worth talking about. And I hadn't heard of it before. So I immediately um, started reading the chapter. I'm like, wow, could you imagine going to an academy and busting open that book? And then you see this. A chapter on UFOs. Well, when, imagine like... the class that you went to <laughs> that you reviewed this in. Yeah, that's the thing that blows my mind is that there was there was there was a day where you went into class and this is the chapter you reviewed with a, a professor. <laughs> you know, it's like crazy. An Air Force professor, essentially. So yeah, it's it's wild. I have some theories. Is I have some pretty good reasons as to why they re- would write something like that. But again, yeah. yeah, I mean, let's 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 see what Dan hey, says. Let's bring him in. Yeah, yeah, the man of the hour. Um, he's on TikTok as fifth pillar of emphasis. He's an engineer, he's a UFO researcher as well. Dan Warren, welcome to Somewhere in the Skies, my man. Hey, thanks for having me, right? Don't call me a researcher. People are gonna throw a flag on that. I investigate <laughs> the hey, UFO. Topic. I don't know, man. There I think we you go. are a good researcher. I think... You've done a hell of a lot more research than a lot of people yeah. who claim to be researchers. I can tell you. I mean, are, if you want to call yourself an armchair researcher, just to be serious. Yeah, uh, I'll caveat it. <laughs> and yeah. there's an asterisk next to the word researcher in my fair. title. That's fair. There we go. I, we'll go with that. You're too polite, my man. Well, yeah. um, hey, it's your first time on the show. Um, you know, this might be the first time for a lot of my my viewers or listeners uh, seeing you. I know you've been on a few other shows as well, but would you mind kind of telling us a little about yourself? How did you get interested first in UFOs? And uh, maybe what got you to go over to TikTok, a, uh, an app that I'm still trying to understand myself? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know, but you're killing it over there. So yeah, Appreciate give us the that. origin story if you don't mind. Yeah, so I've I've always been a fan of the the bigger mysteries in the world. So um since my childhood I've always looked into books uh in the library that kind of piqued my interest like Loch Ness monster and every everybody was in the, into Bigfoot and things like that uh when you're kids. Uh that got me into the uh ancient histories and ancient origins of mankind so i dug into that that's carried over into a fascination with the the bigger questions in life and that's where one of the biggest ones of course is is are we alone in the universe so that's where i started getting interested in that when i was young of course x files was around when i was in my teens and it just continued to go from there um it's a topic that has had my dedicated interest for a while and then it would wane because of the the stigma associated with it i'd be embarrassed to let people know that i'm interested in this topic even so i would kind of shy away from it thinking that i'm wasting my time in investigating something like this and then i'll get back into it uh, you, you just get in the pool and you get out of the pool or you jump in you jump out and um i got back into it fairly heavily in 2017 a little bit before then and the timing was right at that point. Um, TTSA came out, Lou came out, but the guy that really 
got my attention was Steve Justice because he is a fellow technical minded dude like me. I'm a mechanical engineer. He's an aerospace engineer. He was the top of the pyramid when it comes to high tech aerospace. So for him to step out on that stage meant a lot to me because I know what that means to be at the level he was. Um, and for him to give that up and, and, and step on a stage with Tom DeLong, it really got my attention. So I became a first round investor in TTSA, mainly so that I, I could have skin in the game, be interested in the topic even more. It's, it's like gambling on a sports game. If you watch a, a, a game, a basketball game, you're going to be interested in it. But if you have money on the game, you are definitely going to be focusing on the, the nuances of the game, it, the complete, the, percentage the the three point of three pointers that are going down everything like that so that's what it it was something i could do to help me stay focused on the topic and not want to back out of it like i have in the past and and then we get to uh more modern or just recent years like 2000 and uh 2020 of course everybody got bored sitting at home for so long so i was trying to think of stuff to do um, besides just consume. So I, I reached out to Lou actually, when I first started saying, Hey, I heard, uh, Lou Elizondo talk about getting off the couch and getting involved. I, I, I felt like he was talking to me when he said it, I want to do something. I don't know what yet. So I reached out to Lou Jimenez and just kind of asked him for some advice and he gave me some. So that kind of started the ball, the snowball rolling down the hill. I started on YouTube, but I'll be honest, my, my production skills, my editing skills, not up to par. Like you guys are hands down, far, like running away with it. So I looked at TikTok after Andrew, Andreas Freeman Stahl pointed out that he was getting some major views just by re, rebranding or taking some of the information that he had had readily available and putting it out there. So I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. I went out there and looked. No, there's no competition for what I do on TikTok right now. So, no. so that that's a big plus for somebody just trying to get into it. And the entry level technical knowledge that you need to start making TikTok videos, lowest that you're going to find. It is an <laughs> app that has everything you need to start today. So anyone can do it. And that included me. I'm anyone. I'm just like anybody else. So I started doing it and started with anything the more you do it the more efficient you become at it the more competent you become um and so that's where it's kind of rolled into and i've i've started to incorporate the use of my computer to try to increase the quality of it it's it's a it's an app that allows me to be very flexible i can cover whatever i want because i'm only doing short little videos about I'm not doing a lot of super deep dives except for this last time that worked out really well. So maybe I should be doing deep dives more. It deserved a deep dive, man. Uh, Yeah, for sure. That's where that's the origin story. So uh, a lifelong interest in the topic uh, that's waned just like anybody else um, got off the couch and got involved and started having the conversation. Exactly. And that's why we're having this conversation today. Um, and that's so cool. What you said, like Steve Justice was the guy who kind of reinvigorated you, like, and saying like, that was one of me, you know, and a fellow engineer. Um, I don't, 
engineers are not people I think of a lot when I think of the UFO topic, but then it just dawned on me, of course, they're going to be interested. Like this could revolutionize technology forever when it comes to engineering of anything. So that's pretty cool, man, that he's the one that kind of showed you like, it's okay in my profession to be interested in this and, and to talk about it. Nuts and bolts like that. I, I was all nuts and bolts for my entire life because I'm mechanically inclined. It's what I'm drawn to until these recent years have come out where there's more to it than just nuts and bolts. So that's been kind of um, a, a turn that I didn't expect a change, a shift in course that wasn't that kind of caught me off guard when we started talking about other aspects of the phenomena besides nuts and bolts yeah yeah welcome to ufology it'll do that it'll do that for sure well i mean a lot of people in the chat dan are asking what are we talking about like what is this thing that um you found you dug up and uh brought forth on tiktok so i think what i'm gonna do actually is we're gonna watch the first video of the tiktok thread that you put out i think it was 11 videos total um Okay, cool. So let's go ahead and play that now and we'll come back on the other side and um, get your thoughts on, tell us what you thought about this, how you found it and all that. All right, my man. So let's go ahead and play that now. Here we go. This may be hard to believe, but the U.S. Air Force Academy used to educate its cadets about UFOs between 1968 and 1970. And this wasn't just some professor's opinion. This was in their textbook which was confirmed by the Deputy Director of Public Information at the Air Force Academy. The cadets that enrolled in Physics 370 were required to have a textbook titled Introductory Space Science. The very last chapter in this textbook was titled Unidentified Flying Objects. And according to the Lemore Advance, the students were taught to stop scoffing at UFOs and instead to keep an open mind on the subject. This course was an elective that attracted about 20 students per semester. That means for the five semesters that this was in place, about 100 cadets were exposed to this information. But I got my hands on a copy of it, so I'm going to expose the rest of the world to this information. So make sure you hit that follow button. This textbook was written in 1968, back when the Air Force was still collecting UFO reports through Project Blue Book. But since the Air Force-sponsored Condon Report came out in early 1969 and stated that nothing had come from the study of UFOs in two decades, they decided to remove it from the curriculum. The findings of the Condon Report also resulted in the termination of Project Blue Book in that same year. Project Blue Book concluded by stating the following. No UFO reported, investigated, and evaluated by the Air Force has ever given any indication of threat to our national security. There has been no evidence discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorized as unidentified represent technological developments beyond the range of present-day scientific knowledge. There's been no indication that sightings categorized as unidentified are extraterrestrial vehicles. Based on those conclusions, the Air Force removed their chapter about UFOs and replaced it with a chapter called Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, which just so happens to be the term that they used in the Gillibrand-Rubio-Gallego Amendment, which establishes the next incarnation of Project Blue Book thanks to the signing of the NDAA for 2022. So you're not going to want to miss what comes next. Nice, man. What's it like seeing yourself? I, it's it's really hard to watch those videos when it's you looking back at you. I hate watching right. my own videos. A little it's trippy, I can yeah. imagine. Well, let's talk about the content. Chapter 33. 
of this textbook. Can you tell us a little maybe about um, what textbook this was in, where, and um, yeah, who who put this thing out there? Um, yeah, any information you can give us on what we were looking at there. So I, I think the best story is the one that Lee Spiegel t- tells about how he came to know that this thing existed because I found out about it from his interviews uh, with Micah Hanks is the first time I heard it. And then I heard it on Lou's show as well. And he got introduced to it by none other than Jay Allen Hynek. And anytime that guy's name is involved to me, that, that catches my attention. So I thought that was amazing when I found that out. So I turned around and started to search for this document and I found it on Kufan.org. But since then I have also found that this mystery wire or mystery wires put out a scanned copy of the chapters, but it's a little bit more legible on the Kufan.org site than this, this one. You can also copy and paste it off the other one. Um, But there's, the context is always important. I always like one of the, in, the goals of my TikToks, the goals of my videos are to provide context to the situations that are currently arising that people that are new to the subject might not be aware of. Mm-hmm. I always use the example of if I say something happened in 1947, everybody knows what 1947 means to somebody that's in, engaged in this topic. Not everybody knows that people that are just getting into it are going to need a little bit of background. So I try to provide a background to the information that I provide. So um, the very first chapter or the the opening of the Kufan.org provides the context for what I just talked about on on that video that the Lemore Advance actually found out about it, vetted the information in 1970 and made it an article about it. Um, but getting to the book, it was introduced in 1968. And uh, like I said, three, maybe five semesters worth of students passed through it. It looks like it's a junior level class because it was taught in uh, a course called Physics 370. The textbook that it was written is called Introductory Space Science. So I took two physics classes in college and I don't remember anything fun about those <laughs> two semesters. All right. Maybe it was three semesters, but don't tell anybody. Um, Quiet. But it it was tough. It was a battle to get through it. I can't imagine getting something like this slipped into it. So, dude, I mean, this, I just want to read this from Joseph quick. Dad, turn to chapter 33 class. We're about to blow your goddamn mind. That's <laughs> yeah. just, that's exactly what I imagine. So my, my understanding is that the two gentlemen that wrote it were affiliated with project blue book. I haven't vetted that information, but ever since this went out on Twitter and I mean, let's face it, Eric Weinstein, Weinstein blew this thing up. When he retweeted it, that's when the masses found out about it. It was doing okay until then, but he really put the nitrous on it when he retweeted it. So thank you, Eric, if you ever see this. Um, I I bought him a virtual drink. Uh, I went out with my (laughs) wife last night and bought him a drink and posted a picture about it. And I told him, I bought you a drink. Hope you like whiskey and water. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and I, and I drank it for you too. So we're good. Yeah, it was uh, Major Donald G. Carpenter and Lieutenant Colonel Edward R. Thurkelson. 
Yep. Okay. Those guys. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so those, those that's guys. that's where um, I mean, because we discussed this too on the show, and then we had a post discussion, like I said earlier on on the Discord, and I was blown away by this document. I was absolutely floored. I'm like, this existed. This was in an Air Force manual, and this was taught in a class. Like, I cannot imagine the questions or the reasons why this is even in there. Why right. is this in there? Even if it's only for two or three semesters. How many semesters was it, Dan? Three? Two? It was from 68 to 70. I think that so, means three to five semesters. I yeah, don't know exactly. Yeah, at least. Um Man, we gotta find someone who took that course. Well, I'm curious to know what else Major Donald G. Carpenter and Lieutenant Colonel Edward Thurbelson also wrote. What other kind of papers they wrote? I think that's something worthy of looking into. Um, because if they, <laughs> I want to just know what their writing style is like. Maybe it does match this sort of text. Um, maybe they wrote other papers that have to do with this topic. I don't know if anybody's looked into that. Um, I would imagine so, considering how long this information's been out. But yeah, I mean, it's this is something I had no idea about, and I've been in, into this topic for a long time. And yeah, when when I also found out, I was like, "Wait a second, uh, uh, um, who recommended this paper? Like, who found this? How did this happen? And and where it came from?" I was like, "This is insane! How is this not front page news? What? what how did this? How did this? People not notice this in 1968? It, there's so many questions about this this chapter. Um, what's your biggest question, Dan?" How yeah. are, are there so much best uh, how specific information included right. in this? I mean, it's uh, there's some information that I, I tried to vet myself. Like they talk about in particular, I was drawn to the history section of it where they say that they have uh, carvings from the Sahara from 1940 or from 47,000 years ago, depicting a human shaped creature with a helmet and it looks like a trunk elephant trunk coming off of it, which would be a breathing apparatus. That was one of the things that they referenced. Uh, I could not find anything that documents that provides a, a image of what they were talking about. Cause uh, so th those are the biggest questions I have is that's a very specific and bold claim to say that it's been global in nature. I don't think that's a question. I don't know anybody that argues that it's all right. So there are some people that will argue it's just an American <laughs> issue. Uh, but every, most people say it's global in nature, but the time, like that's the question I want to know. And that's the question mm -hmm. that I think is going to uh, come forward before who it is. I think they're going to talk about when this started. So mm -hmm. for it to be 47,000 years ago, specifically is when this thing was engaging in whatever it was, uh, started engaging with us. It's very specific and right. it's a very right. bold claim. So that to me is what stands out. Yeah, the specificity of it is also what stood out to me. But I'm curious, um, what do you think the motivation of putting this into a manual is? So that that was my uh, third video was basically saying like, hey, suspend your judgment. Right. Don't don't focus on do I believe every word that they're telling me. Right. Focus on why would the Air Force be exposing their future leaders? Because it's. It's not like this is basic training, uh, right. boot camp. This is <laughs> like the the 
I'll, I'll call him the elite of the Air Force. The the brain. I mean, a major wrote this. Yeah, and a and lieutenant colonel. So why <laughs> this is not just like two schmoes writing this this chapter? Right. Well, and then too the the other thing that really stuck out to me. Um, I had it up on the screen earlier. Was the uh, the physiological effects? Now this is you know, something that I know they looked into with ATIP and, and it's been around forever. Like what are the physical effects of these close encounter experiences? And um, I found it really interesting that that was also included in this chapter as well. And a lot of people are like, yeah, this is just like what blue book was looking at. And of course, yeah, no, that seems to be the case, but why was it in an air force Academy manual? is my big question and why, like you said, were they being so specific in what they wanted these students to know? Um, that's what really caught my attention. I don't know. Am I, am I wrong on that? The physiological effects that I always go back to that, that that's, that's what we've been kind of studying for many years and what we hopefully will be studying in this new, whatever DOD program or Gillibrand thing, whatever that amalgamation is going to become, we're going to be looking at the physical effects again. And hopefully the air force is going to be involved. I don't know. I don't know. Well, one, one thing that was somewhat shocking to me is the information and the perspective that was the picture that was painted in this chapter, man, it still rings true today. Like it doesn't feel like we've gained a lot of ground since 1968 when this thing was written we're still asking those same questions that that's another thing that kind of shocked me is i've got the same questions now that these guys had back then <laughs> when do the answers start to to, to get exposed but, to us but again but i'm curious to know what you think is the reason why they included this chapter um, i'm used to know what your hypothesis so, is so there's the what I read hypothesis, which okay. is, well, it was an exercise in thinking outside of the box and mm -hmm. trying to keep, stay open minded and um, not jumping to conclusions, just absorbing the information and trying to not stand on one side of the line or of the other so um, rigidly. Mm -hmm. What why I think it's in there. I mean, I think it's the Air Force was investigating UFOs. They had collected a lot of information through Project Blue Book. Blue Book kind of like like I suspect Chris Mellon held the hand of the person writing the Gillibrand Amendment. Right. I feel like people in Blue Book were holding the hand of the people writing this chapter and saying, hey, put this in there. Leave leave that out. This is yeah. and this is me speculating. I don't want anyone right. to think I have any proof of this. Um but I think it's in there as a form of, hey, this might, if Blue Book continued, I wonder if this would become even more elaborate. I wonder if it was the beginning of, hey, we're, we're moving forward with this. We need you guys to be aware of it before the rest of the general public becomes aware of this so that we can be right. a few steps ahead. We need our leaders to be ready for this in the future. Yeah. But then the That's exactly change things. Right, Dan. Yeah, and we'll get to that. Um, Alex says, just in case shit happens, maybe. That's so true. We know there are, within government, there are contingencies for everything, whether whether natural disasters, um, uh, whatever, terrorist attacks. Um, but there's also, I've been told, there are contingency plans if we are to make contact or if there is an invasion from another planet. I could be, you know, completely being told you know disinformation on that but i have heard that there are contingencies for things like this so yeah maybe again they're trying to get ahead of it ahead of the game um so they're not looking like they are today 
saying we have no idea what any of this is. It's not Russia. It's not China. We don't know, but it's in our airspace and we can't do anything about it. So. Well, here's the, here's the thing that I kind of gather when I was reading it, because the, the thing that keeps flashing in my brain when I read it is being trying to put myself in the perspective of being in that classroom and what kind of questions popped up after reading through this or or coming into class and going, OK, everybody, chapter 33, <laughs> well, go ahead. What are your questions? And then people start firing away. What's I mean, I'm sure be like okay why is this in here number one but i think the thing that i I sort of theorize and again speculation city here uh is that this was a way for a couple of years after blue book to answer a whole bunch of questions that might come up after an an experience uh an experience or after a personal sighting uh, by an Air Force officer, because I think this is a perfect opportunity to be like, these are the answers, you guys. You don't have to report it. You don't have to. It takes all the curiosity out of what this phenomenon could be. It really does kind of give you a whole bunch of answers and things to look at if you're interested. But it, and it leads you sort of in, in, a, in a pretty interesting it's a cool direction that this manual leads you down <laughs> and, and it it's almost like teaching a kid how to play with fire, uh, how to, but instead of playing with fire, you teach them how to build a campsite, how to respect the fire, how to put out uh, once the fire is you're done with it. Um, all of the things that is responsible about making a fire, why you should be responsible with a fire. So that way, when their buddy, a few months down the road, is like, Hey, let's play with these matches. He's like, yeah, I'm good. I, I know how to build a fire. I'm good. Um, this is what this kind of feels like. So that way, if, if you have an Air Force pilot or colonel that gets a report from one of his men or sees one himself, he could go, oh, yeah, chapter 33. Oh, also, I should probably shut up about this because the ramifications are are because they also go through in this manual the punishments of reporting these things. They mm-hmm. tell you straight up, like, you'll probably get demoted. You'll probably be f- possibly fired or 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 labeled clinically insane. And it's like, you know, so it's like, here, here are the answers. So that way you don't have to be curious. And then they and then that helps them keep the this this the circulation of secrecy intact because they just take the curiosity out of it. I don't know. That's kind of what I felt when I read it. it. It was like, here you go. Here are the answers. That way you don't have to ask. So one of the things that I've asked myself is how come they wrote this chapter basically saying, here's a chapter about UFOs. Why didn't they write a chapter saying UFOs aren't real and here's why, but you should still take these. It could be these other things instead. Like how come they didn't frame it with this isn't a real thing. Right. You guys need to know that it's not. And this is what the other possibilities are that are left on the table. Right. Right. Well, because I feel like the rest of the book is pretty much 
different ways of clarifying what your job is, you know, and what and how to see things in the sky and how to read your instruments and know where you are in the in the sky or whatever the battlefield, whatever else they're learning. I'm I'm assuming it's like you said, it's not basic training, um, but it's you know, uh, I, I'm assuming the rest of the book is just a lot more clarification, a lot more almost reading like stereo instructions, really boring chapters. Whereas this was probably the funnest day they had in the whole semester. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point, man. That's like the day when the teacher puts like a video on instead of lecturing. You're like, oh, finally, like something a little different. Um, I I can't imagine what lunch discussion was after after (laughs) this class. Exactly. Michael said FEMA has engaged in zombie apocalypse training. Yeah, man, they have contingencies for everything. Um, Dan, there was something you brought up that um, I do kind of want to talk about, and that's stripping it of the curiosity. Um, The Condon Report. So that thing came out, obviously deflated a lot of UFO uh, believers out there, um, and probably satisfied a lot of scientists out there. Um, But that is when I believe this chapter was pulled it was pulled from the textbook is that correct yes it, it, the condon report came out in 69 late i think it was december 69 i might i, I might have the month off but yeah it, it had been in circulation this chapter was in the book in 68 the condon report came out in 69 which this this part it kind of cracks me up they didn't want to pay to reprint the man the entire book so they left it in for another semester or two until they could reprint the books so there can't be that many of these things floating out there like it's got to be just such a rare piece of american history that that yeah, is floating man. around so like like jay allen hynek showing it to lee spiegel man i, I mm. my hands would have been shaken it, it would have been <laughs> awesome uh but yeah um i i think the condor report came out and they revised the chapter they didn't remove it they said all right we're gonna put something in there that conforms to the findings that were put forth in the Condon report. So they actually provided more possible explanations to the UAP phenomenon, which is, I mean, we're talking UAP now instead of UFOs. Um, but they didn't go into the, the history. They didn't go into the alien species like they did in the previous one. They stripped it of all the um specificity uh type items and went very vague in general right yeah Yeah. and just changing that one from ufo to phenomena i mean that's enough to be like okay they're they're definitely going for something different here like we are today and like we're learning uap has been around for a hell of a lot longer than we thought it was well just in the first two pages it gives you the descriptions the size the shape the luminosity, the colors, the behavior of these objects, the locations, altitudes, directions, path, patterns of paths, flight characteristics, uh, uh, periodicity of of sightings, time duration, curiosity of inquisitiveness, hostility, hostility. <laughs> like these are insane as associated effects, after effects, like it, it, the after effects, burned areas or animals depressed or flattened areas, dead or missing animals, mentally disturbed people or missing items. Mentally disturbed people. That's it definitely like after effects. Like, no, that that's after. So I think that that is basically summing up 
you could be abducted, you could be burned, uh, you know, on some levels, uh, you could be, you could, you could be depressed. Those things could happen to your crops. If you live on a farm, things could go missing. They're little kleptomaniacs. Like there's all sorts and then mentally disturbed, like having to deal with say a scary abduction scenario. Right. You know, um, I don't think that means like they found mentally disturbed people around there. Is I guess I should, we should probably clarify that. <laughs> well, I would think it'd be more like PTSD type symptoms. Correct. Would be yeah, that's what surfaced what, yeah. after an encounter. Correct. A yeah. lot of people and, are asking where they can read this chapter. By the way, guys, I just put a link in the in the chat there for you over at Mystery Wire. But um, was it Qfos? You said Dan Kufons. that had a better version. Kufon. Okay. Kufon has a much org. You can or just okay. search for Introductory Space Science, and you'll be able to find it uh, via Google Links. Um, so as an engineer, Dan, I'd love to know, like what in this chapter, since it's a book on physics and everything, um, what as an engineer did you find most compelling about the chapter? Anything really stick out to you as compelling um, in terms of that? As an engineer, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to struggle to answer this one. I'm afraid, uh, they don't really get into the propulsion systems or how they were manufactured. The, the material science mm -hmm. the like i'm always fascinated by fasteners like to me like I, I, if it doesn't have rivets and screws then it is a 3d printer type product or it's something beyond our our known manufacturing capabilities so that's that's what i look for um on, there's nothing in there in, in particular that's engineering related i guess i gotcha. would have to uh, conclude no, what that's was, fine, man. What was the most fun part of reading this document for you? Oh, absolutely. It was the retelling of the uh, species that orbited the Earth yeah. that was so several weird, times. Man. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com came down and they started with that that was so yeah. weird. like that that was how they started one of the sections and i just i mean let's just call it what it is they described an alien species migrating to earth okay. they got in a fight with each other had a civil war one of them threw a 
a nuke at the other one, destroyed them, went into deep depression, and then left forever. Like okay, that's have, that's what me, they describe. Okay, let's talk about this for a second because this yeah, is crazy. Because like this is the part where I'm just like, come on, dude. Like it, it's almost. But then you see the 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 rock carvings uh, that they talk about in the Sahara where they're wearing like what looks like space helmets. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that wasn't the actual one. That was one that I found that was similar right. to a, a depiction, but the, mm-hmm. the 47,000 year old description of the person wearing a breathing yeah, apparatus, I couldn't or, find a picture or the, well, but just the descriptions of them in the carvings in Ireland that they discussed. Um, okay. So if there was an ancient uh, alien race that migrated to earth and the, the humans on earth looked to them as gods and they were throwing nukes at each other. Where, where, I mean, we should be finding this tech everywhere. No. Well, so there are indications uh, and it's, I'm not going to be able to tell you like 47,000 years, whenever that event happened, they found something, but they did find like the spike in nuclear activity. And I always pronounce nuclear wrong. So I'm sorry, people that are going to jump on me. It's like, I'm Southern. Some people like, some people love cilantro. Some people, it tastes like soap. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's fine. But like the, there was a spike in radiation around the globe during the, uh, why is it slipping my mind right now? T- Tuska, uh, T- Tuska, something, right? Yeah, Tunguska. T- no, no, no. Uh, yeah, that huge explosion. The Russian, in Russian. meteor yeah. that exploded. Yep. That was Tunguska. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Tunguska. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. So there, there Great was two part on uh, X Files as well, guys. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, from my understanding, there is radioactivity readings in locations around the world. Some of them are, uh, I guess it can happen naturally, which still is fascinating to me that that can be a natural occurrence. I believe that's something that happened over in the middle East and in some location. Um, I've, I've forgotten exactly where they, they found evidence of it, but it was from a long time ago, like a million years ago, and they still find fallout from that. So it can be a naturally occurring process from the few articles I've read about it. I'm not an expert. Um, but yeah, I would think there'd be some kind of evidence associated with it, but what like oral history i mean it sounds like sodom and gomorrah type of thing it sounds like mm. uh, stories from our ancient ancestors before almost, writing could occur it mm-hmm. almost sounds like dune like like there were these gods that came down in these massive ships to come and collect spice, you know, and and the locals rebelled and dug underground, and it's almost as if like these gods that came down had issues with the gods that were there, and then took them out with some sort of catastrophic event, and then maybe the remnants of what was ever left over from those gods is kind of who we are today. And that's maybe how this hybrid theory plays into this whole thing, uh, where maybe the gods, you know, ended up uh, meeting with the with you know the mortals on Earth, and and then boom, human. Um, and then we're just kind of sitting here waiting for them to come back one day. I, I don't. Right. It's so wild to think of. It's almost like the Fifth Element meets Dune. Yeah, it, it make you know it. it 
it scares me to think about this, but also <laughs> this idea of like a lot of these unknown artifacts that we found and we don't know where they came from or what they were used for, but they're there. We've uncovered them. We have them, uh, but we don't know exactly what they were used for. And it scares me. It's kind of like that, you know, in contact where they build the craft and they're like, this could be, we could be building the weapon yeah. to destroy ourselves. That's what always scares me, you know, with these craft that have supposedly crashed with these pieces of debris that we found. Um, is it possible that this could be some sort of Trojan horse thing? And they're like, all right, um, either this is going to like change our technology and we're going to leapfrog ahead of every country and uh, be the prominent power, or we're building our own device to destroy ourselves. I don't know. I don't so know. Um, I, I have yeah, what do you guys thoughts about this whole UFO disclosure topic. Like I feel like I'm doing the right thing that I'm, I'm pushing forward trying to get the information out because I, I want the information, but then I, in the back of my mind, I start to question myself. Like they, they've been hiding this and they've been hiding it for a reason. Am I doing the right thing by trying to push this uh, disclosure issue forward and, and try to, I, I want the information. Am I being greedy? Am I being selfish? Should I have, should I not be doing that? Am I creating, am I contributing to something that's going to be a net negative to humanity? I view it as a, an, an enormous positive for humanity myself. But then in the back of my mind, there's always that nagging thought, like maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Maybe we yeah. don't want to know. Maybe we can't handle it. I, I want to sleep at night. Like I have those questions <laughs> fly through my head at times too. Yeah. Well, I mean, Swink McCloud makes a good point. We got to find out more about these two authors. That's so true. I mean, that would answer a lot of our questions. You know, could this be some weird fanfic that they wrote about UFOs just to mess with people? No, they wouldn't put it in an official textbook if that were the case. At least I don't think they would. Um, I mean, but they I don't know. Have, they could also, it could be just as simple, and I know some people probably won't like this, but it could be just as simple as to throw the idea out there for a couple semesters and gather intelligence on what people think about it. The idea of it. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. It, a lot of this could be who's going to say what, what's going to come. Yeah. Could be an intelligence game of some sort. You know, a lot of people think with Lazar and stuff, they fed him all this stuff to see what he would go public with if he would leak this stuff. So yeah. I don't know, you know, Lazar aside, we know that they've done that in the past. Maybe, maybe um, these guys were writing this as, like you said, like a, like a, a movie script and maybe they were the influence for Eric Davis writing his supposed <laughs> movie script. <Yeah. laughs> oh man. I knew yeah. we could somehow bring it to the, um, the Wilson documents. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you could start a brand new X Files, and the first episode could be the discovery of this manual. Like, right, right. Yeah, honestly, you could make a movie about it, or to definitely base a TV show off of it, and some some sort of new paranormal investigative duo. You know, <laughs> get on that, Dan. That's all yeah. you, man. Yeah. I can help I you write find- the dialogue if you want. I want to find out where they found their information to put this all together. Like, it's great that we have it in this condensed form. It had to have come from a broad range. Um, Although some people will say it's just typical UFO mythology or whatever, but it's very specific. Well, by 1968, though, the United States military had pretty much secured the entire planet. You know, they, they, I mean, I'm sure there was many, as they call spoils of war, 
after the second world war and um possibly books and and information lost uh data through the years that maybe has been seen by very few human eyes and you know maybe this was just their way of sort of paraphrasing it you know and at the same time we were also the united states was securing space the moon like we Mm -hmm. went to the moon in 69 like this yeah yeah well this is yeah this is right uh leading up to the space race you're right like they're like i mean who knows yeah maybe they're like hey we're going to space we need to get people prepared for this and so they put it in there and then maybe figured out oh we'll beat the russians to the moon and then just call it a day and then stop well i guess you could also make that comparison to the james webb Webb telescope and then bringing bill well i guess they didn't they didn't bring bill nelson on but yeah. Bill Nelson got brought on as a NASA administrator earlier in 2021 in advance of the James Webb telescope. Maybe they were concerned like, Hey, we need to start saying like, we might see something that we don't really expect to see. And we need yes. to just be prepared for that. Such a good point, man. I mean, that's what I'm hoping with the James Webb and with the Galileo project is like Avi Lobis said, the skies are not classified per se. So like, the government can do everything they want to like, you know, stamp down the UFO thing when it comes to military, uh, you know, what space, um, but they can't control the entire planet's skies. So when you do have something like James Webb out there, or you do have things like Galileo coming up. These are ripple effects from what the government or Pentagon did or did not do. And the response they get from the public of that's not enough. Like we're, we're not happy with that. So we're going to go and do this instead and try to stop us, try to stop us. So that's why I, I think a lot of, um, I, I love that this was in a physics book and I love that the conversation now in 2022 is leaning a lot more into the science of UFOs and the, the exploration of space rather than just the Pentagon. I think since 2017, that's all we've been focusing on is the government's involvement with this topic, um, you know, even up until this conversation with the Air Force. But the chapter ends, um, we won't give away everything, but the chapter ends with science and like how we need to continue looking at the UFO phenomenon because of the benefits it could give us in terms of science. Um, So that was my long-winded way of saying, um, what do you make of this whole chapter? Like, what is the message that you think we should take away from all of this, Dan. I know that's a broad, big question, but um, yeah, what do you think we should look uh, look forward to by looking back at this chapter in this Air Force manual? The the process is long and arduous. Like this isn't a quick <laughs> quick solution. Like I I was I was on board with Richard Dolan's uh, tipping point theory, where enough information would come out that it would just be a, a at an avalanche of follow up information based on what we've seen from 2017 and now the differences that we've seen from 1968 to now, it seems like it is a long drawn out process to get any information out in the public. And that's discouraging to some, but not to me because the journey is the adventure in this particular case. Uh, We're all here. We are all seeking answers we all want to know more. We're all digging. We wouldn't be digging like this if we had the answers already. We would just be like, okay, well, somebody's on it. We're going to, 
wait and see what they tell us. But now it's all of us individuals around the globe. I mean, we're a global effort pushing on one topic, trying to get to the bottom of it. So the overarching thing to me is patience. Think for yourself and continue to push. Exactly. I I couldn't agree more, man. Um, I do want to read this one quote from the chapter, um, which kind of ties into what you're saying. Although the Conding Committee cautioned that nothing worthwhile was likely to result from such research, it suggested that all of the agencies of the federal government and private foundations should be willing to consider UFO research proposals, along with the others submitted to them on an open-minded, unprejudiced basis. I mean, that says it all right there. We're saying that now today. The Pentagon is saying that. Like, we need to shed the stigma and we need to look into this because it could benefit us if we can exploit that technology, as the military likes to say. um, How will it benefit us? So I think you're right. A lot hasn't changed since this chapter was in this book or even before that. And we're asking the same questions today and we're, we're hoping to exploit the technology we see displayed in UAP, but we can't understand it. We still can't understand it. And that's both scary, frustrating, exciting, everything, um, which, you know, welcome to ufology, I guess. Well, in the book itself, it says like it it is hard for our science to explain. Stephen Greenstreet was on Ancient Aliens with you, and he was pointing out that in the UAP preliminary assessment, it says that the performance characteristics, characteristics um, we need to do more science to be able to understand them. I, I'm not quoting it word for word, of course, but that's still to me, like I missed that gem in, in the preliminary assessment that our science hasn't caught up to what these things are. Our science can't explain it. That yeah. That's a biggie. Sorry, my kids are running around in the hallway. <laughs> oh gosh, no, man. No, 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 not at all. Luis, you got any more questions for Dan before we start to wrap things up here? Um, well, I mean, just the one thing that was also really interesting, and again, this is just the first few pages. Um, it talks about hoaxes and rantings due to unstable personalities, and you know, basically saying that some suggest that these UFO reports are just hoaxes. Um, and and it's true in some cases, but there's a lot of cases where these are coming from pilots, but the first the first thing that they reference is a, a case that is they consider not a hoax, which is the Lonnie Zamora case in New Mexico. Um, and that's uh, that's one case that they focus on in this report and just sort of highlight as yeah, this isn't this isn't a hoax. This isn't some some, you know, hubcap in the sky taking a picture kind of thing. This is a real case. That's um, also the case that my my understanding is that that flip Jay Allen Hynek from skeptic right. and not really believing to be and not being able to deny it. I, I believe yeah. it was the Lonnie Zamora case. They Did also guys... reference and, uh, and tell people to take a close look at Betty and Barney Hill as well. Yeah. yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Um, the, the Socorro case, I always love the part of the story that a lot of people don't talk about blue book. It was like Hynek and a few other agents or whatnot with the air force were heading out there because they clearly wanted to be the first to get to the site when it happened and their car broke down and Heineck got pissed. He's like, we need to get there. Like, this is an active investigation. Um, We could find trace evidence. And they're like, yeah, we got away for another government car might be another hour or so. And Heineck was literally like, 
fuck you guys. I'm going to hitchhike. So he gets out. He hitchhikes all the way to Socorro. And he was the first one on site. Um, awesome. You know, besides Zamora and a few of the local law enforcement, just to get there to investigate. I love that story. I love hearing that. And we- pardon my French there. I didn't mean to say <laughs> Sorry awesome. if your kids are listening, Dan. Uh, <laughs> I did have one last question for Dan. Uh, what, what are the biggest uh, detractors of this manual or chapter that you've received or heard where you're so- like, okay, that might carry some water? Uh, well, it's the the weirdest one to me is why are we even talking about this? This is old news, but <laughs> yeah. like like I didn't Sometimes know about you need it. To recycle, yeah. Stuff. Like it's it's new to me. It's right. new to a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. I got I had one guy say, "Oh, this came out twenty five years ago," and I'm like, "Dude, do you know how many people are under twenty five on this yeah. planet?" Like they don't talk, talk nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I'm By sorry. the way, yeah. like. Um, that was another thing. I got a lot of shots across the bow about uh, it, now it's on TikTok. Like uh, it's just like a Southern accent. As soon as you say yeah. the word TikTok, people deduct 10 IQ points. So <laughs> like there's no respect for TikTok in the U in ufology yeah. at the moment, but it's, it's yeah. changing. Hey, yeah, no, you gotta I mean, be it's... the first for something, man. And I really think you're, you're doing that. You're like Avi Loeb. You're putting yourself on the front lines to whoa, whoa, hit this ridicule. Whoa. That's a little much. <laughs> I don't even have a front porch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. No, but I, and I kind of put this on Twitter today as well. And, you know, I'm known as the nice guy in ufology, but when it comes to people who were shaming you for doing this and saying it's been out there, it's nothing. Um, that's irrelevant. It, it's new to a lot of people. It was a revelation to me. I didn't know this chapter existed. So why not talk about it? Why not put it out on a platform of um, millennials and younger who have absolutely no idea what Roswell is, what Rendlesham is, what the UFO topic is, what it was and what it's going to be. So, I mean, I think it's awesome. Like, who cares if others have talked about it, if it's nothing? Um, It's worth having the conversation and it's getting eyes on it. And we can have those conversations. So um, to those people out there who did that, all I want to say is, Shut up, move on, <laughs> go do what you do, and um, skulk in the corner. Like, we're going to have fun talking about this. Or at least watch the video before you criticize it. Like, based on their comments, they Amen. haven't even watched the videos I had nope. made. Like, yeah. I was like, what are you talking it. about? That's exactly yeah. what I said in here. And the yeah, there's a lot of that. Admitted that he down. didn't even read the book. Like, how, how can you criticize this and say it's a nothing burger if you haven't read it, if you yeah. haven't done any looking into it? some guy told you about it and you took his word like come on man yeah well and that's that's the issue with skeptics and we all should be skeptical all the time like i'm not saying i'm not saying like we shouldn't be but they they have these predetermined answers they don't even look at anything you have a skeptic come on news with um you know former deputy base commander uh, charles halt who said, hey, I was in Rendlesham, 1980. A craft landed. I've got audio of it as it was happening. And, you know, they turned to the skeptic who just says, it was the lighthouse. It was the lighthouse out there. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. So I know where the lighthouse is. I'm not an idiot. I'm the deputy base commander. And also, what year did this happen, Mr. Skeptic? 
Oh, I don't know. Oh, you don't even know what year the UFO case occurred that you're mm-hmm. on television now trying to debunk. Cool. Just just making sure. So mm-hmm. that is that's a problem I I run into too, man, is they don't even look they probably didn't even look at your videos before they came out and started putting these reactions out there. So it is what it is, unfortunately. So one of my one of my favorite quotes in ufology is I, I want to say his name's Robert Jacobs, Dr. Robert Jacobs. He's the guy that saw filmed the ufo as the uh warhead was going through the sky and it oh right went in the three o'clock twelve o'clock nine o'clock position and shot a beam at it and then it fell down and he gets so mad because like he recounts the stories like i know what i saw my favorite quote is philip glass can kiss my ass (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love it what do you do you have any plans on what your next deep dive is going to be uh, I'm taking a break from deep dash for a while that you guys don't realize how much, like that was 175 background slides on that. Like the oh fatigue was setting yeah. in towards the, you end. sent yeah. me the, the slide uh, presentation. I still have to get my way through all of it. Um, well, I do want to ask you this, Dan, before we go, um, when it comes to the air force, they've been very quiet on everything going on right now. So do you think that's going to change? Are we going to start hearing more, from the air force moving forward when it comes to this topic, or will they once again be the ones being a part of the cover up at the very, uh, you know, since they were at the very start of it. Basing it on um, what's his name, the new sec- secretary of the air force Kendrick. I think Fred Kendrick is his name or Kendall Kendall. That's it. Uh, Kindle. I, don't, I don't see it happen. He basically said, Oh yeah, it's not something we're concerned about. It's not something we're going to look into until we're concerned about it. So you can take that type of a mentality and just plead ignorance and say, Oh yeah, well we, we didn't think that it was anything to look into. We're looking into it on our own. We're not telling you about it, but they, they've got their justification for sitting on their hands. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Lou? Um, well, I'd like to see how long they sit on the hands once this new office gets established and maybe their budget gets cut by this new office because they're not sharing enough information. Maybe Mr. Kendall changes his tune. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You know, that's yeah, maybe we're going to get that chapter. That's how the, back office, the, new, the, the new office is supposed to work, right, Dan? I mean, essentially. Um you know, so we'll see. But I mean, if I feel like that's uh, especially if you're taking over the Air Force, I feel like that's a pretty safe statement just to just put out be like, yep, we're not interested in this going to go status quo until I have to do otherwise. And maybe that office will make him do otherwise. So I mean, at least he leaves the door, the door open to, to changing it. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think four of the co-sponsors of the Gillibrand amendment were also on the appropriations committee. So yes, there's like a direct uh, chain or link mm-hmm. to the money for the performance of their, their UAP duties. Yeah. And that doesn't even include the, the uh, national security element to it as well. I mean, there's a chain of command there as well when it comes mm-hmm. to national security issues and, and the, uh, the committees that also have, have to do with that aspect of the conversation as well. Yeah, exactly. So Alex I, says, can we, uh, can we have a vote from the panel? Is it real? I, I, I think he's referring to the chapter. Um, I'll vote. Yeah. That chapter's real. I no, mean, resounding. Yes, it's real. Yeah. It was in the book. Um, 
you know, a matter of it was what taught, in it, is it was taught to Air Force students. <laughs> yeah. Jay Allen Heineck shared it with someone There's... that has shared it with us. So I mm. know that's not him coming to my house and laying it on my kitchen table, but that's <laughs> as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That was a good question, Alex. No, I, I do firmly believe it was real. And Dan, I'm so happy you brought it um, to a audience who has never heard about this chapter, including myself. And well, I, I think it's I, awesome. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's the reason why it's awesome is because we, yeah, maybe you're right guy we have heard this story before but it's never been presented in such an easy way to understand as the way you did with your with your 11 or 12 part series i'm the fast food version yes. of ufology and yeah it's 11 but, uh, but that's so but it's yeah. i mean still fast food it, they're two minutes and 50 seconds almost each video they're almost three minutes long each video times 11 videos that's a half hour of content that's not just some fast food video so yeah. you know you need to take tip your hat to yourself a little bit like this is a really great research thing that breaks down uh, an Air Force manual training class in a very simple, easy to digest, understandable way that saves the house mom or the dad who's busy or the person who's uh, at work, you know, uh, just flipping on his lunch, looking for something to entertain himself. Like this is a beautiful, beautiful little wa- walkthrough almost like a little sort of private museum of this document. And it's cool, man. And I think it's important and you did an amazing job on it. So congratulations. I, Thanks, I think it's, I think it's presenting this story in a really fresh way to a whole new group of people that may have never heard about this before. Even if you have, this is a great way to share it with your friends that maybe either never have or have, and it's presented in a really just fun way to watch. So so and, and that was the goal like i, I yeah. always get in conversations with people who are like oh you need to read this book or read this article and i always go yeah that sounds like homework um, <laughs> got a short version so I'm, yeah. I'm trying to i'm trying to read for people make it easy right. to consume and provide the context around whatever the information is so that people can have a better feel for the significance of what i'm trying to talk about or the event yeah. that has just occurred yeah exactly man. No, man, i just awesome. put a link uh oh god i think i did i just put a ridiculously long link in the chat of your uh your tiktok um but Did why don't you mind? just give it to us just in case because it looks like i screwed something yeah, yeah. i know can you mind know, telling Alex... us where we can find it uh just the fifth pillar of emphasis and um i have a youtube channel as well that i'm trying to grow i'm gonna start putting some longer content on there i'll probably compile all these videos into one and put them on my youtube channel so it's uh the fifth pillar of emphasis there as well uh you can find me on tiktok at dan warren at hey look over there look is spelled with a u instead of two o's because someone else beat me to it uh but yeah like just look for the fifth pillar of emphasis on tiktok you can even type just ufo and you're gonna see my ugly mug and click on the plus button and also alex garcia i just sent you the pdf of it so you can you can just open up the PDF if you want to check it out there too. Cause I, that was sent to me by Lee Spiegel. He's got it on PDF. Um, so I, where can you post the PDF? I, I think we've posted it definitely on our discord, but not everybody's part of my discord, but um, you know, I've got a PDF of it. If you want just give me a shout and I'll send it to you. Cool. 
I love it. Nightgazer says, Dan, you're great at cutting and condensing down super clear presentations. And then Michael Huntington says, great job. The more education about UFO history, the better. So many in the field these days don't know ufology. I could not agree more with Michael yeah. on that. Um, so, hey, man, you're doing a service. You're fighting the fight. And you're on the front lines on a social media site that um, a lot of the people in ufology aren't even aware of. So I highly suggest everyone go go get on TikTok, go follow Fifth Pillar of Emphasis, um, because you do make it very digestible. And that's a sign of a good teacher, man. So you taught me tonight. Um, I have to thank you for doing this. I know you and Luis are going to go much deeper on his show next week. So, um, yeah, one more time, Dan, before I let you go here, brother, tell us where we can find everything you're up to. Um. I want to just real quick say thank you to Eric Weinstein for uh, retweeting it. Of course. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, find me at the fifth pillar of emphasis. Just look for UFO on TikTok. Uh, find me on Twitter at Hey, look over there. Um, I have a link to my TikTok on my uh, Twitter profile. So you can find me that way and go to YouTube, subscribe to my channel so I can start doing live streams. Cause I'm, I'm not even close. I'm, I'm still a fledgling <laughs> YouTuber. <laughs> Hey, man, I'm, me too. Me too. We'll, we'll get there together for sure. All right, brother, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to say goodnight to Luis, and then I'm going to talk some shop with my, my viewers. But, Dan, I have to thank you so much for coming on Somewhere in the Skies tonight, my man. Thank you for having me. Pleasure meeting yeah. a young gun. We'll see, you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week, buddy. See you, Luke. That's, yeah, not so much young anymore, but it's very nice of you, brother. All right, have a great <laughs> night, all right? Thank you. Take care. Dude, that was amazing. That was my first time talking cool to Dan. I cool and dude. again, like bringing this forward to an audience who's never heard of it is the most important thing you can do in this field. So, um, I'm so happy we were able to just scratch the surface of it with him tonight. But I know you're going to have him on next week, probably to dive a little deeper into this. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we could we could definitely dive into it again. It's fun. Dan, I mean, you know, Dan also, I, I don't know if you knew this, but Dan also uh, was responsible for helping us get Tim Burchett on the big phone right. too. Someone mentioned that, mentioned that in the chat earlier. I yeah, completely so forgot. Tim, yeah. Tim is, is, is local rep. So he's actually, he's got a, a dialogue with Tim. So um, yeah, Dan is an incredibly intelligent guy. One of the good guys in this fight. For sure. Absolutely. I'm um, so very happy level headed, very him, approachable, yeah. um, just just wants to help. And the, yep. he's just an absolute asset uh, when it comes to this discussion and, and one of the new just awesome voices. In yeah. The topic for sure. He's the real young gun. Let's be completely honest. <laughs> but um, what else you got going on over at UCR this week, my man? Give it to Oof. us. What can we expect? Uh, well, tomorrow, who do we have tomorrow? Oh, yeah, we got um, Preston Dennett tomorrow, which will be Ooh, cool. Nice. And then on Friday, we got Jazz Shaw. He's going to come and talk about his uh, um, article that he wrote in the debrief about the Michigan Lights. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and then next week, we got uh, John Ramirez coming back, and we're also going to have Sean Webb join that conversation. So that'll be very cool as well. Cool, cool. I'm looking forward to the jazz one. That Michigan case is one of my all-time favorites. I'm. Uh, what's uh, what's your favorite thing about it? Uh, honestly, it would have to be um, just the amount of attention paid to it by mm. you know the radar locals. operators, the locals, the weather yeah. people that were involved. Um, there's just so much 
testimony of credible individuals right. involved with it that we can pull from. And you really can't ask for more than that. So. It's a cool case, man. It's a cool, yeah. cool case for sure. Yeah, I believe you should, you know, you should talk to as well. Um, Bill K. I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Colin then Kolinsky, maybe um, mm-hmm. he's a MUFON investigator out in Michigan. Okay. Um, who looked heavily into it as well. Um, cool. I'll have to, I'll get you a link for him, but yeah, um, yeah I, I'm looking forward to it. You got a good week going on over there, my man. So again, yeah. where can we find everything you're up to before we let you go? Um, you can find me on my Twitter handle right here at Lou Angeles. Uh, you can find us at the Unidentified Celebrity Review on YouTube. Uh, and yeah, pretty easy. Pretty easy Sweet to find. McLeod says the audio, duh. Yeah, I should have, there's audio. Um, to the Michigan case as well, which is pretty, right. pretty awesome. They're they're pretty yeah. spooked in that audio, from what I remember. So yeah, yeah. we can't ask for more than that for sure. Awesome, my man. I'm gonna let you well, go. We could, for we could in. ask for more than that, right? We we could. We always could. We ask could. For ask, more. I mean, like I, I'd like to see the craft. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, ask for that'd that. be nice. You know, that'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably yeah. not gonna get it, but I'll ask for it. All right, uh, buddy. Have a good week. Awesome, Fun show. Thank man. you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure, man. Uh, you're my you're pleasure. A gem. Awesome. All right. Have a great right. night. Peace, brother. Bye. Guys, thank you. Thank you for joining me tonight. Um, it was awesome to finally get to speak to Dan. Uh, I've been talking to him offline for a while now, and uh, this definitely deserves more conversation. So be sure to check him out over on UCR next week. Um, but other than that, um, if you didn't watch the premiere of Ancient Aliens, please go watch that. Um, I believe it's on history.com. You can watch the first episode right now. Um, and be on the lookout for Mysteries Dakota, the other show that I'm a part of. We're going to be premiering a new season of that later this year. I should have more info on that soon. And um, check out the show every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. That's about it. If you want to help the show out, uh, we have a Patreon as well. Um, your support means the world to me, and it truly makes someone in the skies continue and grow so i want to thank everyone in the chat tonight i want to thank um everyone for the super chats, super stickers and for just having the conversation with us i thought it was definitely worth talking about here on somewhere in the sky so thank you to dan thank you to Luis for joining me thank you to all of you for being here tonight and i will leave you with our slogan as always for someone in the skies keep your feet on the ground but never stop searching somewhere in the skies take care guys Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. 
Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.